hope you have your Bibles or some type of uh, device that you can uh, look up uh, the, uh, the verses that we're going to look at. One of the things in ministry that I really enjoy is my discussions with couples who are going to get married. When someone comes to me and says, listen, we're, we're going to get married and we'd like for you to perform this ceremony, I, I have a rule that I won't commit to, to officiate a wedding until we have sat down and had some discussions first. I'm not a licensed counselor, not, don't really care to be. That's wonderful for the people who that's what God wants them to do. But I have discussions with them, and we talk about many things. But one of the questions that I always ask is this question. What happened during your last disagreement? What was it about, and how did it get solved? Years and years ago, probably over 25 years ago, I met with a young couple. They had, well, one of them had been in my youth group when I was a youth pastor in Lawrenceville. And um, they were so excited about getting married. They'd fallen in love. They were just, you know, they loved each other more than all other couples. So we got to that point where we had talked about many things, and I said, okay, tell me about your last disagreement. And the big smile got on both of their faces. They kind of looked at each other for a moment. They looked back at me, and the young woman said, oh, Pastor Chris, we've never had a disagreement. (laughs) And you... Their, their, their face changed quite a bit when I said, well, you have a homework assignment. Go home and have a disagreement. Fight about something. Have an argument, okay? Get in each other's... I didn't say get in each other's face, but I was tempted to say that. I said, y'all need to have an argument. You need to have a disagreement. You need to, to figure out how you're going to solve that. Because, you see, it's easy to have trust and faith and love When everything's going great, when everything's just wonderful, that's when you're like, yeah, we're so in love. We've never disagreed about anything, but we're so in love. Enduring trust must be tested. And the test comes when we don't get our way and when we have to make adjustments and shifts and changes And it's in those moments when our trust is really tested and we find out, do we really trust or are we just really playing games? Enduring trust is something that every one of us must develop in our lives. One of Hope Crossing's core values is that we have a culture of honor and trust. We have a culture where we treat one another with honor and we treat one another with trust. That's one of our seven core values. And when we find that we're all getting along and everything's wonderful and everything's great, it's very easy to honor each other. Isn't that right? You, you guys okay out there? It's, it's easy to, to honor one another and even trust one another when we're all in agreement. Everything's happening. Everything's happy and wonderful. And yet when things are not quite that way, that's when our trust and honor really is important where we honor someone even though we disagree. We honor someone even though things aren't quite going right, but we find ourselves honoring them and trusting them anyway. And I would just wonder today if you, like me, have had an opportunity where 
me and God were just awesomely together and everything was going great, but then a season came where everything between me and God wasn't great. Have you ever had that experience? Where it just seemed like, God, God, where are you? What's going on? I, you know, it used to be I would pray and like by Friday, the answer's there. And it's been a lot of Fridays and I still don't have the answer. You still haven't done what I'm asking you to do. And we have that kind of that first disagreement. And it's arduous and it's difficult and we're like, ah, the word tells us that in these type situations, some people's faith suffers a shipwreck as an analogy. Paul is writing and he says, hey, there are some people whose, whose faith has really just like that ship just rammed up against the rocks and there's damage there and there's, there can be destruction. And yet those who with enduring trust find that they go through the highs and the lows still trusting God. Easier said than done. Trust is the essential component to healthy relationships and societies. Every relationship begins with a level of trust, and yet through the process of that relationship, that trust is tested, and through the test, it is strengthened, and it becomes stronger. We're living in a world where trust is a vanishing quality. We're having difficulty finding places to really have trust, finding people to really have our, put our trust in because there's agendas and there's the this side and the that side and there's the argument here and the disagreement there. And we're saying, who can we really trust and what can we really trust? We place our trust in this and then it, we're let down. We trust this person or this group and we're let down. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to think, well, is God the same way? Because I haven't gotten what I've been wanting to get recently, and so am I going to be disappointed with God? And yet the Word tells us that anyone who puts their trust in God will never be disappointed. Will never be disappointed. But trust is something that endures. Trust is something that moves forward over time. Trust is something that we look at and we say, okay, I, I need to develop, I need to grow, I need to move forward. So, how then do we find an example of trust in God's Word? Well, that's, the Word of God is replete with those type of examples. And when we want to see someone who's really trusting God and putting his faith and confidence in God, we can look at Joseph in the Old Testament. You can turn to Genesis 45 verses 4 through 8. We're just going to read that portion there. You know, I've been told that uh, when, when you're coaching football and you're coaching little kids in football and you're wanting them to get a picture of a play, you're wanting them to get a picture of how they're supposed to play football, one of the techniques that you can use is to show them a video of a team really running the play the way it's supposed to be run. And it gives the little minds a vision, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Without a vision, we're kind of left like, okay, what, how do we do this? How, do, how does this happen? And so here in Genesis 45, we see Joseph at somewhat of the culmination of his life. Certainly, he's not old, but he's gone through a lot already. 
and we're seeing a picture of how we're supposed to do it. You remember Joseph, he was the youngest child and he was the favorite child and yet his brothers hated him because, well, he was the favorite child. It's kind of like the way all the other students think about the teacher's pet, right? Joseph was that guy. And so Joseph is going to be killed by his brothers. They're going to kill him. And so instead, they put him into a, a hole, if you will, and they're going to kind of come back later and do the deal. Well, in the meantime, he's sold as a slave. And so now Joseph, at 17, 18 years old, is now a slave. And they take him down to Egypt, and he's working in Potiphar's house as a slave. But he works so hard and so diligently at it. You see, Joseph's been given dreams by God, and he's going to be in a position of power and authority, and yet he finds himself a slave. In that moment, the trust in God was tested. But he perseveres. He says, well, if I'm a slave, I'm going to be the best slave I can possibly be. I'm not going to just do the minimal. I'm going to do the most. Some of you feel like, well, the job I have is really below me, and I don't understand why I'm really here. My suggestion to you do, don't do the least, do the most. Don't give up, press forward. Well, that's what Joseph did. And guess where that landed him? In prison. You're like, wait a minute, you just said do the most. It didn't work out so well for him. Enduring trust goes through the seasons of life. Joseph winds up in prison. Uh, a woman lied about him, said, hey, he was trying to attack me, and so he gets put in prison. And so he again decides, well, what, what am I going to do, just sit in a corner and just do nothing? No, he says, I'm going to help other people, even prisoners, I'm going to help them. And he presses forward, and he says, I'm going to be the best prisoner I can possibly be, and I'm going to help the warden. And that's what happens. And so he raises to an elevated position as a prisoner. Long story short, because Pharaoh, the president of Egypt, has a couple of dreams, and Joseph interprets those dreams, Pharaoh says, you're no longer a prisoner. You're with me, buddy. And he is now vice president. He's second in charge of, of, of Egypt. Well, his brothers think he's gone and probably dead, but the brothers have to come to Egypt for food, and that's when they come before Joseph, and Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize Joseph. And there again, a long story short, let's read this, Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8. Joseph is going to reveal himself in his identity to his brothers. They don't know this is Joseph. And he says, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one who sold you into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. We find here there are various kinds of trust. Number one is a simple trust. This is a trust in God as long as everything's going great and as long as my life is simple. No storms, no giants, no major problems, just everything's going great. 
That is a simple, simple trust. I think we all probably start off with a simple trust. But the next one is a selective trust. I trust God with some things, but not with everything. I trust him for my salvation and for my forgiveness, but with my relationships or my money or my career, uh, not so much. I'm just going to trust God selectively. Then there's a significant trust. I trust God with my life as long as I live. My life will have many surprises, both good and bad, but I choose to trust. Through the ups and downs, there is a significant trust. This is the kind of trust that Joseph had. It was significant. It wasn't just momentary. It wasn't just when things were going good. It was a significant trust in God. That's the kind of trust that all of us want to have. But that must be developed within our lives. Joseph started out with a great trust in God, just like you have and just like I have. And yet that was trusted. Your trust has been tested, I meant to say. Tested. So how then do we develop this enduring trust that makes it through the ebbs and flows of life? How then do we do that? We can turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Some of you probably have this verse memorized. It's one of the first verses that I know my wife, Lisa, memorized. Proverbs uh, 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let's dissect this for a little bit. Let's just glean a couple of things out of this. Number one, we must grow closer to the Lord through every season of life. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In that moment, we learn how to draw closer to God even when things are not going good. We embrace God during every unknown. Um, how many of you... Uh, don't answer this. It's just a rhetorical question. How many of you, t have, you have children, you took your children to the doctor, and, the, and they gave your kid a shot? I, thank you. Y'all just silent. Your child doesn't realize that. He doesn't realize what's going on. Okay, mom paid the doctor to inflict pain on me. But yet, mom knows this is exactly what the child needs. But that's exactly the type environment in which the child begins to trust mom and dad. And in the same way, God allows us to go through difficulties and seasons of our life that ebb and flow, and it's in that moment that trust is established. It's in the mountaintops when, yes, God answers a great prayer, our trust is celebrated, but trust is developed when it's not so great. And that's when we find we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Not part, not over certain situations, but in everything we have. We draw closer to God through every season of life. Now, if you're like me, you want every season of life to be wonderful, don't you? We all want that. We just want life to be like, yes, I got another raise. It was just six months ago I got my last raise, but I just got another raise. I just got another promotion. My wife just told me she loves me 14 times today. Yesterday, it was only 13. I thought that dream would wake someone up here today. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you, we, we want that, but yet that's not life. And what we don't want is to have a faith and a trust in God that sinks 
during the difficult times so we go closer to God through every season of life. Secondly, we learn to change positions. And this is not political. He says, do not lean on your own understanding. We learn how to change and to say, wait a minute, this, this seems right to me, but I need to make sure this is what God wants to do. The word says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is that of destruction. And so he comes along and says, like, don't lean on your own understanding. He says, use understanding. It's important to use wisdom, but don't lean on it. Lean on what God has to say. This obviously can be pretty scary. What if I had a, a chair up here and it had the word leader on it? A chair with the word leader on it. And you get to choose every day, do you sit in that chair? Is that your chair or is that God's chair? That's what we're really talking about. So the question is, today, who's the leader in your life? Is it you or is it God? Are you leaning on just your understanding or are you able to lean on God's understanding? And we find that we can trust God even when things aren't really making sense in our life. We're in his word, we're studying, we're learning, we're reading, we're talking to other believers, we're getting advice from other Christians, and we're, we're navigating life. And it's in those moments when trust is developed and strengthened. It's an enduring trust that gets us through. This can be kind of scary, though. We're not sure. Is this really going to turn out okay? Because it doesn't feel good at that moment. I remember it was uh, several years ago, I was pastoring the first church that I pastored. I'm, I'm in my early 30s, and, and um, things were going great until they weren't going great. That's life. And I was praying and fasting. I was calling out to God. I was praying in the morning. I was praying in the afternoon. I was praying in the evening. Tears are just chasing, chasing one another down my cheeks. I am just all in, absolutely, and nothing is getting better. And I had that crisis of faith. I had that moment when I was like, okay, what, what's really happening here? God, you're not giving candy anymore. What happened? I'm praying and I'm, I'm seeking you. I'm asking for you to do a breakthrough in what God was realizing in his obvious wisdom and my lack thereof is that the breakthrough I was looking for was external. And he says, no, son, I've got to do a breakthrough internal. And if I give you a breakthrough external, you'll, you'll, not, you'll stop seeking me. You'll stop being this intense. I need to do a breakthrough in your life so that then you can handle what I've got for you in the future. And what I found was I was trusting God as long as things were going great. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is great. Ministry is fun. Ministry is great. It's awesome. And then when it wasn't awesome, I was like, well, maybe God isn't awesome. That crisis of faith came. And I began to realize that my faith was shallow. And if I wanted externally, if I was to get externally what I was asking for, I couldn't have handled it because I wasn't developed internally. And so God allows us to go through those arduous times to, to develop us inwardly, that there would be breakthroughs and growth and strength internally. I went through several years of depression. 
I went through some really dark times because God was doing something in me and I was fighting against it. I still wanted external breakthroughs, external blessings, and God's saying, I've got a, I've got a better blessing for you inside than you could ever experience outside. And that's what God does. He says, I've got a plan for you that I, I want you to have this enduring trust and faith, and it doesn't come just through candy. It doesn't come just through blessing after blessing after blessing. There has to be that moment in time where are you going to trust me even though I'm not distributing candy to you? The third thing we find here is that we create a history with the Lord. When you go through times like that and seasons in our lives, we are creating a history with God. He says, in all of your ways... In all of your ways, acknowledge him. In everything that happens, acknowledge him, know him, submit to him. You know, um, how, many of you, how many of you have been married for more than 25 years? Raise your hand. If you've been married more than 25 years, great. How many more than 20? Okay, 10. Okay. Anybody married here 50 years? Because we have no old people at Hope Crossings. Even when we had old people, we didn't have old people. Because you're only old external, right? If you're young internally, you're good. So if you've been married one year, you have a history with your spouse. But how many of us would agree that if we've been married more than 25 years, we have a longer history with our spouse? Duh. We got that. 25 years gives you more opportunity to ebb and flow and to see things change and alter and shift. And so we find ourselves having a closer connection with that spouse because we hung in there. If we don't hang in there and there's a divorce, then the history pretty much comes to an end. But when we hang in there, we have a history with one another. And we find ourselves going, man, I remember I remember when we were up here and it was awesome. And then I remember when we had that trouble and that difficulty and it was not so fun. But you know, we hung in there and we made it through it and now it's awesome again. The same way with God, he takes us through those, that ebb and flow of life. And he says, I want, to in, I want to develop an enduring trust within you. We walk with the Lord. We learn how to follow him when we walk with him, even into and through the difficulties. What is the 23rd Psalm? Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. And he's with you. We find in Genesis 6, Noah walked with God. Exodus 33, Abraham talked to God face to face. David walked with God in the good times and in the bad times. If, if, uh, if you don't have an old person in your life that you can listen to, I would just submit to you, you're missing out on a great part of life. I want you to get an old person in your life that you can listen to. Because old people love to tell their stories, don't they? They just love to, they just love to say, I remember when, and I went through this, and we went through that, and I remember this was difficult, but God is faithful. They just love to tell the stories of their life. 
Now, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Here's the good news and the bad news. One day, you are going to be old. Or dead. I opt for old. Dead's coming. I want to be old. And so when you're old, guess what you're going to tell? Your story. You're going to look back at your life and you're going to go, I remember when. Oh, I remember. You're going to look back at your life and you're going to be able to tell the story. I remember when I was tempted to have unforgiveness toward my brothers, but I didn't take that temptation. I forgave them. I remember when I was falsely accused, but I didn't give in. I didn't become bitter. I became better. And you'll be able to tell that story. I remember when things weren't going well, but I endured and I remained faithful and God showed up and he showed himself powerful and mighty. When you're old, you're going to tell your story. The question is, what story are you going to tell? I would submit to you a very easy answer. You're going to tell the story that you are writing today. What you're doing today is the story you're going to tell when you're old. When you're able to be going through the situation of being tempted to do what is wrong, and yet you withstand that temptation, you go, no, I'm going to do what is right. One day, that'll be a part of your story. When you're falsely accused, and yet you do not become bitter, you become better, that's a part of your story. When you get fired from your job and you realize, man, this is wrong, this is, this is absolutely wrong, but you transition and you learn something new and whatever happens, but you make it through that time, that's a part of your story that you're going to tell. And what the end result of all of that is, is the fact that you're going to be telling your story as an old person and you're going to be saying, God is good. God is faithful. God is amazing. I didn't understand it when it was going downhill. I didn't understand it when I was going through that dark time. I didn't understand that why would God allow that to happen, but I learned to trust him. I learned to trust him. You see, several years ago, there was a kind of a hyper-faith movement that said, well, you've, you've got to trust God and then you'll get stuff. And if you don't get stuff from God, like, you know, candy, then that means you're not trusting. The only proof that you're trusting is if you get the good stuff. And that, that's a skewed view of faith and trust. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, it says, man... By faith, Enoch. By faith, Abraham. By faith, no Moses, Noah, David, Jephthah, all these people. By faith, one of these wonderful things that happened. By faith, it was amazing. By faith, there were dead people raised to life. And then it gets down into the real recesses of that chapter. And he says, you know, but there were some who didn't receive what they were trusting God for. There were some who God had a better plan. They were actually burned at the stake. They were sawn in two. They had spears run through them. They didn't receive what they were believing God for, but God says there's something special and unique about them because they still believed. They still believed. We live in a society in which it's 
I'm going to believe God, and he's going to give me stuff. And God is saying, I want you to trust me. And some of the bad things that you've gone through in the deep, dark recesses, recesses that you've gone through, it is because God was developing your trust. Developing your trust. I mentioned a time when I was pastoring my first church and things just went south. I went south. It all went south. And God was trying to do something in me. I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be doing this and we wouldn't be here if I hadn't gone through what I went through when I was 33. See, God is developing trust in us. Trust. Maybe today you're on the mountaintop and everything's going great. Then praise God, glorify God and go for it. Maybe not. Maybe things are dark right now. Maybe things are not so great right now. And God is saying, I'm still with you. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm with you. I never leave you. I never let go. Yeah, but God, you sure are silent. That's right. There are times when God can be silent, but he never leaves you. He said, I'm developing your trust. Do you trust me even when you don't have the goosebumps? Do you trust me even though when the blessings aren't just pouring out on you? Do you trust me? What is it that we trust God the most for? Eternal life. Not just the blessings, but eternal life. I know for a fact there are testimonies right here today of, of people who've said, I've been trusting God for my son. I've been trusting God for my daughter. I've been trusting God for my marriage. And it's been dark and it's been hard. And we've been praying and fasting and a lot of tears, a lot of weeping and wailing and crying and a lot of energy and a lot of emotion. But God has shown himself faithful. And my child now is saved. My child now is back. My marriage is better. God is still God even in the dark times. Well, today we have an opportunity to say, God, thank you for developing my trust. Thank you, Lord, that in the dark times I am becoming stronger and stronger and stronger so that I can handle the good times when they come. Amen?